Why do I look so old? You look like you've been in a casket for a year. At least. Oh, shit. <laughs> With friends like that, huh? <laughs> You're listening to Cultivate, a podcast about the people and technology that are blazing a trail in the cannabis industry. Welcome to another episode of Cultivate. This is Scott and... This is Drew. I'm the old guy. Scott's the young guy. Younger. Youngish. Youngish. Young, youngish. Great show today. Super awesome show. What are we doing today? Today's guest by Skype from Henderson, Nevada is uh, the one and only Roger Martin. He's the uh, head choochie at Grow for Vets, which is now known as Hero Grown. And uh, what they do in a nutshell is provide veterans and first responders with access to cannabis. Uh, People that can't necessarily afford the medication that they need. Uh, Roger and his group go out and get donations of cash and cannabis in order to share it with guys and gals that need it. So we have the privilege today of being on the Skype. Is that what you call it? The Skype? Skype. Skype. Just Skype. No, the Skype? No. Just Skype. Okay. Uh, We've got Roger Martin, who was uh, identified with Grow for Vets, and now we've uh, changed the name to Hero Grown to, to uh, broaden the mission and the effectiveness of the, uh, the uh, it's a charity, right, Roger? Yeah, we're a nonprofit, tax-exempt nonprofit organization, yep. So who's Roger Martin? Give us the thumbnail uh, of, of who's Roger Martin and what's Hero Grown? Roger Martin, simply a uh, an Army veteran who uh, was very had a very blessed life, and uh, was able uh, five years ago to start to be the first one to start giving free medical cannabis to veterans. Uh, we became an official organization in uh, January of 2014, and held our first uh, big public giveaway uh, for veterans on Memorial Day of 2014 in Denver, Colorado. And Hero Grown, we've evolved into Hero Grown just real quickly. Um, starting January 1st, we also started helping first responders and their families. I'm former law enforcement, as you may recall, besides being an Army veteran. Uh, and I know that uh, a lot of first responders experience some of the same things in their careers that uh, that military personnel do that, that cause them lifelong issues. So we've decided to reach out to them and open up a whole new, uh, you know, a whole new untapped market uh, in the cannabis industry. That's awesome. What what led you to cannabis and to kind of get into all of this? Well, the, the short story is, is that when OxyContin first hit the market, uh, they gave me that. And after taking that for about 10 years, uh, by October 2010, I was taking 180 milligrams of that a day. And I had to take Ambien at night to sleep. The normal dose of that is five milligrams. Uh, sometimes I had to take up to 40 milligrams at night just to be able to sleep one to two hours. So I was on a dead wow. end street. I met a doctor who suggested I try cannabis. I was very resistant to that because, again, my experience, uh, you know, not just in law enforcement, but also all my kids were athletes. And, you know, we were like a no drug family kind of a thing. So uh, it was a, it was a big leap for me. Let's put it that way. So you were living in Colorado at the time? I actually, at that time, I was living on Lake Tahoe. So, again, living my blessed life. And uh, so I was close enough to, I was on uh, North Lake, so I was close enough to South, Southern, uh, to South Lake that I could go into California and uh, uh, obtain cannabis legally. So then what, tell me about the impact. You're, you're in a pattern, you're in, you're in a, a, a pretty 
regular schedule of ingesting Oxy and Ambien, your lifestyle changes. Tell me, let's talk about what, what were the immediate results? What were the, the intermediate results, the long-term results for you? Well, the, the immediate results were, uh, uh, were significant. Uh, it's kind of an emotional thing for me to talk about even still all these years later. But uh, uh, the first thing I remember, first they gave me another, uh, when I was got, came off of OxyContin, they actually gave me another drug called Suboxone, which is a narcotic. Uh, and they used that, the doctor that I uh, connected with used that primarily to treat uh, wealthy children or children of wealthy people who uh, were skiing in Tahoe and they're hooked on heroin. And she'd never tried it with OxyContin, but anyway, long story short, she tried it with me. Uh, and so I was out for like two days. But uh, just having OxyContin alone and out of my system, the first thing I remember, I woke up, uh, I was blessed again to be able to look right out at Crystal Bay on Lake Tahoe uh, without even getting out of bed. But the first thought that came into my mind was I could actually feel the air moving the hair on my arms uh, as I lay on my back in my bed. And it was just, I mean, it was a very emotional thing to realize how desensitized my body had become, you know, over that 10-year period on OxyContin and Ambien. So. so I'm really sensitive to people that have short attention spans. So I want to do a couple of things quick early on in the podcast so that we don't lose people totally for what's going on here. Um, the hashtags and the contact information for Hero Grown, I want to get that on. Uh, Roger, how do people get a hold of Hero Grown? Uh, the best way is through our website, Drew, um, just www and then uh, Hero Grown, just like it sounds, all one word, .org, O-R-G. And that's the best way to connect with this. And then you're on Instagram, you're on the social media. Is there a specific hashtag? Well, we're on we're on fo- on on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. But uh, the young guys you got working with you know more about it than I do on my end. Too, <laughs> do you so. know what the tag is yeah. from yesterday? Yeah, I, I, I don't. have them here. I think. But uh, we've all got, right, we'll get uh, back to that. But I wanted to make sure that people know uh, this organization uh, provides relief to veterans uh, and uh, now emergency responders. That's, is that the right way to characterize it? That's, yeah, that's correct. And we've evolved a little bit again, starting in January. We can talk about that. But uh, over the over the four years that Grow for Vets operated as Grow for Vets, we gave uh, veterans in, in uh, 11 states over eight, $2 million worth of free medical cannabis products. So uh, we're very blessed to have a lot of generous supporters that provided us with uh, the products to donate. Uh, because as soon as we started, uh, you know, we, we were not able to grow enough to, to fill, the, uh, fill the need. So... Uh, we had to reach out to uh, cultivators, private and commercial, and they helped us. So. And the relationship between Bovida and Grow for Vets was really started by you and Charlie at a show, wasn't it? Yeah, well, actually, it wasn't a show. It was an invitation-only thing for industry leaders uh, that Bovida, like they so often do, uh, was kind of leading the way in sponsoring. It was actually in, the, in Las Vegas, uh, out in Summerlin. And it was an invitation-only deal, and I was just lucky enough to get an invitation and uh, and met Charlie at that event, and uh, uh, you know we 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 got our only got along really well, and he offered to help, and uh, uh, kind of the rest is history, you know. And uh, you know your whole team has just uh, been fantastic. So one thing I was going to ask Siri, hey Siri, what's the relative humidity in Henderson, Nevada today? <laughs> I can't get the humidity index for the entire day. But currently, it's 10% in Henderson, Nevada. Wow. It's a little dry. dry out there, brother. Dry. It's supposed to rain, it's... though, in a couple of days. We'll see. We The last time it rained was uh, about two weeks ago, and that was the first time, I think, in 144 days that it had rained. So, 
Gives you so an idea. 10% relative humidity, but 66 degrees, that's pretty good. It's, it's supposed <laughs> to be nice today. And we're going to be up in the 70s again finally here. So, Hey, Roger, I'd love to kind of hear how one of these days goes where you donate the cannabis to the vets and first responders and just kind of the experience around that, how it impacts you and the, the people involved. Because it sounds like an awesome experience. Well, it's been kind of a two-edged, uh, you know, a two-edged sword for us in that, uh, or for me personally, in that, you know, it's the most rewarding thing that I do when I get to actually, you know, talk face-to-face and meet with veterans, thousands who've told me, for example, that cannabis is the only thing that's ever helped them cope with post-traumatic stress and not one drug the VA's given has ever helped at all, for example. Uh, but the downside of that uh, up until the first of this year had been the fact that, that I was pretty much tied to the day-to-day operations. Um, you know, we had large public events. It was our primary mode of distribution. Uh, we still plan on doing that, but we've in- Hero Grown has introduced a new program called CBD Airdrop. So when people go on and they enroll, go on our, online and they enroll uh, in uh, Hero Grown, uh, they need to also enroll for CBD Airdrop. And CBD Airdrop is a program that will will be sending CBD products to veterans in all 50 states. Because one of the most frustrating things I've had to deal with over the years has been primarily wives and, and uh, moms, uh, you know, calling or emailing and begging me to help their son or their husband. Uh, but they live in a state like where I grew up in Nebraska, where cannabis is illegal. So there's nothing I could do for them. Uh, and even though I guess it's technically illegal, or I guess there is no such thing as technically illegal, uh, it's like you know, <laughs> kind of pregnant. But anyway, um, you know, we're going to be the first to, to do this, to send uh, free CBD products to, uh, to vets in all 50 states. Because so. you can send CBD anywhere. Well, you, they say that, but the, the legality of it really is uh, pretty gray, Drew, let's put it that way. Um, so you've got demand from all 50 states uh, for relief for these vets. I mean, I, some of the most compelling stories I've heard uh, representing Boveda trade shows and meeting people either with pretty significant mental health issues, uh, veterans that are, are uh, experienced with PTSD, uh, Lost their limbs. own, yeah, just uh, some remarkable stories. The testimonials that we've heard uh, at these shows has been uh, really remarkable. And it's one of the reasons why Boveda has been so committed to you and your organization when it was Grow for Vets and now is Hero Grown. Um, providing Boveda to be able to put it with the bud that you're distributing, uh, it just makes sense because, I mean, the the, the quality of that uh, product that you're delivering to people is diminishing every minute of every day when it's in that 10% relative humidity that you got out in Henderson today. <laughs> um, so we're happy to do that. Um, how can people get involved today? If, if somebody decided today that they either wanted to reach out to you to get connected uh, to be a recipient from Hero Grown or to make a donation today? Again, really where it all happens is at our website, which is herogrown.org, O-R-G, uh, you know, and that's where they can enroll. That's where people can donate, uh, you know, time, money, whatever. Uh, so that's the best way to do it. Roger, yes. what, what's, uh, what's next for Hero Grown? Do you have any big plans coming up in 2018? What's kind of the vision for, for your organization moving forward? Um, in the next couple of years. Well, the vision is is really to uh, uh, for me to be more more politically active, I guess. Number one, uh, in addition to CBD airdrop, which is a bit really big deal. Uh, we've got the golf tournament. We have Hero Grown magazine, which will uh, 
uh, be published within the next couple of months, the first issue of that. That'll be mailed free to all of our members uh, directly to their homes. Uh, and if you're current military or law enforcement, it comes in a in a, uh, a cover that you can't see through, so you don't have to worry that your mailman's going to report you for getting a, 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 a magazine that might have a cannabis leaf or something on the front. Um, but anyway, we're pushing three main legislative uh, points this year that, that we really feel are critical. Uh, the first one is um, we don't think it's fair that, that veterans or anybody else for that matter, most of these things I'm going to talk about would apply to the general public as well, but we don't think it's fair, especially for veterans uh, who are being treated for a medical condition for which you could obtain a medical card in the state you reside, uh, that they should have to go to, I guess, what's affectionately known as a pot doc. Um, you know, we think that's a, a very expensive and useless step. Uh, I know the VA cannot recommend cannabis because of the fact it's federally illegal. However, we think we have a way that they can, uh, that they'll be able to do that. Uh, and so we're going to introduce that here in just the next couple of days. The legislation, the drafts are actually being written right now. So that's going to be a very important uh, move to allow the VA doctors to uh, issue what we're calling a statement of fact in a letter. They don't endorse cannabis or anything else. They just say, I'm treating Roger Martin for condition X. And if that condition would qualify me for a medical card, I should not have to go to another doctor and go through all that expense to do that. Um, the second thing that we're pushing for are free medical cards for veterans and first responders. You know, over the last couple of years, I've kind of taken a survey of everybody I've met who has a medical card and asked them if they'd be willing to pay an extra five bucks for their card if that meant a veteran would get theirs for free. And 100 percent of them have said yes. So, That's awesome. you know, That's again, had idea. I not been tied to the, if I hadn't been tied to the day to day operations, you know, the first four years here, uh, when new states came online after Colorado and Washington, you know, I would have made sure that I had that in the original uh, original uh, regulations and stuff. But now I'm having to go back after the fact, which is a little tougher. But hopefully once we've done that in a couple of states, because we're doing it on a state by state level, uh, all of these initiatives, I'm tired of waiting for the feds to do anything kind of like I was when I started Grow for Vets. I knew they were never going to help. Uh, you know, help these brave men and women that uh, that, that that I serve. So um, anyway, so that's the second point. Uh, and then uh, the third point, I might have to refer to my notes. It just my mind went blank. Look at look looking at Drew smiling at <laughs> There's me. There's a lot of Damn, pressure. There's a lot of about. pressure when you're on worldwide podcast. Well, and when you're looking at Drew, a lot of people just like look at Drew and just that's get it. lost. Freeze. There's a lot of brain freeze that, that happens. It's a it's a hypnotic thing that I do. Thanks, Roger. That's that's exactly. sweet. Check your notes. We'll get back to you in just a second. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Normally, I'm the one that does that. It's like, yeah, yeah. So I, 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 zone, I in, at my age, I zone more and more. I think all the time. But anyway, <laughs> at least you um, have an excuse. Well, <laughs> so so the, the pot, no pot docs, and then the uh, the free med cards. Oh, the third one then is is probably the most important one. It's going to be the hardest one to get through. Um, we don't think that it's fair that someone should be disqualified uh, from obtaining a job or that they should be fired simply for testing positive for THC. And unfortunately, that's you know that's the general rule. There are some companies now that are that are you know not that that sort of ignore that. Um, but again, it keeps so many veterans, you know, out of the job market that's absolutely ridiculous. They won't, they don't care if you're taking 180 milligrams of Oxycontin a day, uh, but God forbid, you know, you smoked a joint last night or, you know, ate an edible before you went to bed to dull the pain enough so you could sleep. Hmm. So you raise it. This is, this is a great question. A big part of what all of us do, um, is educate people about 
the stigma that's associated with cannabis. Uh, the, the, we have a lot of stigmas in our society about a lot of different things. And, and I know you work hard to address the stigma uh, about cannabis. <clears throat> what would you say to somebody that uh, comes to you and, and, and says, I don't believe that cannabis is a, a valuable alternative for these vets? I mean, how, how do you run into that kind of rigid um, thinking has any do people confront you from the uh, the veteran community? Is there resistance or is it all support? I mean, uh, oh, there, there's resistance, but it's becoming less and less all the time. I mean, especially from uh, retired military officers. You know, they're very reluctant to have their name associated with anything that has to do with cannabis. Yet the fact of the matter is, especially you know anyone who who was injured and and got out as a major below. You know, many of the I've met you know thousands of them now over the last five years that utilize cannabis, but they're afraid to say so because of the stigma that's still attached to that. Um, so yeah, I mean, the resistance is there, um, you know, but it's, you know, I think it's breaking down. Fortunately, I think that, uh, uh, more and more people know more and more veterans that have used it, uh, you know, like it did for me in 2010, cannabis saved their lives. Uh, and again, I, I don't mind telling people that it literally saved my life. I'm sure I wouldn't be alive today. Uh, if I'd have kept just upping my doses of, uh, of OxyContin and Ambien, because almost everybody that they do a tox test on, uh, whether it's in Hollywood or anywhere else, have those two drugs in their system when they died. So, Do you have to buy most of the cannabis that you distribute, or is there a lot of generosity from the cannabis community, uh, the grow community? It depends on where we're at. Um, in some states, the generosity is, is more than in other states. Uh, Colorado is particularly generous. So is Oregon has probably been the most generous, let's say in my experience. Um, Nevada is becoming more generous. In Nevada, the restrictions and the laws and stuff, um, people are really afraid, I think, uh, in a lot of cases, the licensees uh, to become involved. The state has them on such a tight noose uh, and they know they can jerk their license or suspend their license at any time. Uh, not just the state of Nevada, but Clark County in particular uh, is, is vehemently uh, opposed to the, the rules they have, let's put it this way, are absolutely idiotic. You know, they won't let you advertise this, that, or the other thing in a magazine, but you, you drive down the street in Las Vegas, there are cannabis billboards all over the damn place. So, you know, just that kind of nonsensical stuff. And as, as you well know, in most of these states, cannabis regulations are drafted or made up, let's put it that way, by people who know absolutely nothing at all about cannabis. You know, that's a ridiculous part about it. A lot of them came from the liquor industry. Uh, you know, and so there's a rub there automatically with cannabis, just like there is with the governor of Colorado, you know, Hickenlooper, uh, you know, who made my understanding, made most of his fortune in alcohol. So, uh, you know, he's had to accept cannabis, but he, he, it didn't go down easy for him. Let's put it that way. Of all the people I've met in the industry over the last couple of years working with Boveda, you're one of the best spokespeople, uh, to take on these things, uh, to, to stand up and to, to enunciate, uh, what's really going on, um, with vets and in the, the whole cannabis cause at large, um, I'm really uh, supportive of the cannabis industry, not because I enjoy cannabis. I did at one time as a young man, but I haven't had any cannabis or any alcohol in a long time. And uh, God willing, I won't be doing that anytime soon. That's just my personal thing. However, I've been deeply affected by people in my life that have um, lost their lives due to opiate addiction. Uh, people that uh, struggle to find uh, solutions to pain and to a variety of mental health issues that aren't 
connected to um, the, the uh, synthetic pharmaceutical industry, um, I've heard so many great stories about the results that people are getting. Um, if there's one thing that a, a, a cannabis activist can do today in order to amplify their voice in, in the state or the sit town that they're uh, living in, what do you recommend to people? How do people take this on? What's the, what's the, what are the steps for them to become active and for them to become more importantly effective at making a stand for people having the freedom to choose in this cannabis uh, uh, question? Well, I think, you know, like the discrimination that, that, that so many, uh, you know, segments of our society have faced in the past, you know, it's as simple as, you know, you ha the first thing you have to do is come out of the closet. If you believe in cannabis, you need to say that. If you, you use cannabis, uh, it's, it's part of your treatment regimen, you need to, you need to, to be willing to admit that. If you're not using cannabis, but it's just something that you believe in, uh, you know, then I would encourage you to become involved with organizations like ours or any other organization that that's helping uh, people, uh, you know, use cannabis versus the drugs that are killing so many people now um, and just become involved, uh, you know, and talk about it and talk up, you know, the experiences you had. I mean, again, you've had, like me, you've heard thousands of stories, I'm sure by now from, you know, face to face stories. And while I am, am you know, I, I guess I'm I'm supportive. I suppose of the medical studies and and on all these things. To be honest with you, they don't mean much to me uh, because having thousands of veterans tell me what cannabis has done for them right to my face. Uh, you know, all the need. We've had people, even a lady that had stage four liver cancer, uh, and after taking some oil that we that we gave out in 2015, um, her, her her she came up to me one day at a at an event and said, you know, my doctor is not only amazed that I'm not you know dead by now, but he's amazed that I'm actually getting better. Which you know, so so many stories I'm sure you've heard too. Uh, we've just been you know again, cannabis is not an end all cure all, okay. But, uh, you know, it can work. Uh, it does work. It saved my life. It saved a lot of other lives. We lose more than 50 veterans a day now alone to prescription drug overdose and suicide. Uh, and, and so many retired first responders, too. And that never makes the news. All the retired police officers, firefighters, EMTs who take their own lives or die of drug overdose, the numbers are phenomenal. Uh, and nobody ever talks about that. So that's why we want to pull them into the, you know, into our family as well, into the Hero Grown family as well. So. I want to. I want you to expand on that. You're. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you were former law enforcement. You're a retired vet, former law enforcement. Can you give us a little more color about that? You served in the army. What did you do? You served in law enforcement. What did you do? And then can you go into a description of what this uh, first responder issue is? Because I think a lot of people are are not aware of what first responders face. Uh, Sure. Go for it. Well, again, I was I was in the in, in the military or in the army, and I'm an honorably honorably discharged veteran, and I got out in the early 70s, um, and so you can kind of imagine, I guess, probably my experience is, you know, I get a lot of questions about that all the time, uh, and and not to be evasive, certainly, but I want the focus to be on the brave men and women that I serve. So, um, you know, I I have nothing to be ashamed of in my military background, uh, but I'm no hero. I'm not the hero. The men and women that I serve every day. Uh, you know, or the heroes. In terms of law enforcement, you know, I, I started off, uh, I've, I've worked pretty much all of it. I started off as a street cop, putting myself through college after I got out of the army. 
Uh, I never arrested anybody for marijuana, even at that time. It with the paperwork involved. That was so ridiculous. So I caught somebody smoking a joint. I made them throw it down the, you know, throw it down the drain kind of a thing. Um, you know, at some of the other levels where I worked undercover narcotics, uh, I really was not involved in, in, in marijuana at all. But, uh, you know, I did, I, I have been involved with a lot of, a lot of first responders. And we have helped several of them over the years, especially EMTs and firefighters, uh, you know, are often exposed to, you know, just horrendous, you know, carnage from traffic accidents and fires, you know, where they see children who die, you know, those types of things. You know, the shooting in Las Vegas that we had on 1 October, uh, no first responder that was involved in that's life is ever going to be the same again. The church shooting in Texas. I mean, I can't, I, I mean, I know what it's like, but I can't imagine, and people cannot imagine what it would have been like to have to go into that church, you know, and see all those people that have been slaughtered. Same thing with the school uh, shooting in Florida recently. You know, those kinds of experiences, I don't care how tough you think you are, how hardcore you think you are, you want people to think you are. You know, anybody that says that that hasn't affected them when they've experienced that is a liar. You know, or they're lying to themselves at least. Uh, you know, because that's the first step is just to admit that, you know, you have some issues and, and anybody who would have experienced what you experienced would have those issues. So that's why it was important for us to bring in first responders. Uh, at this point, uh, Vegas was was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, we had a golf tournament actually it was scheduled for Veterans Day originally. Uh, and after that shooting, while we had sponsors and players that, that signed up and there were sponsors willing to support us, the whole the whole feeling in Las Vegas just totally changed. You know, overnight, the whole city was just like a dark cloud over the entire city. Um, you know, and those kinds of events, you know, have an impact not just on on the people that, that are there experiencing, but on other people as well. That night that that shooting happened, I happened to be watching a recorded, something I had on my DVR. And when I hit the button to erase it, then the, it went back to a live news station that I had had on. And so I saw the coverage of the shooting. Well, I was up until six o'clock the next morning watching that, you know, listening to those gunshots, you know, watching those people flee. Uh, and I've talked to so many veterans since then. I mean, that was a major trigger you know, for anybody even that saw the news coverage of it, because, you know, it's difficult when you see people being slaughtered like that, you know, difficult for the first responders that they're not to be able to do something to stop it, you know, to have saved those people. So and I think it's really important that we recognize the fact that first responders now, uh, especially nowadays, face a lot of the same traumatic experiences that uh, military personnel face. Do you have a sense of the scope of demand among, if you were just to, to categorize uh, veterans or first responders, do you have a notion of how much demand there is for relief and what percentage of that you're able to provide? Are we just scratching the surface? Is this this uh, a, a tip of the iceberg thing where we're able to help a, a real minority of the people that are struggling? Or are, is there some sense of how much of the problem uh, that the organization Hero Grown is able to to address? Barely scratching the surface. I mean, there, there are over a million veterans right now that are at risk of dying from opiate overdose, for example. Uh, I don't, I can't think of having met a veteran who was happy that they were taking opiates. Uh, you know, so many uh, wives especially have come up to me and thanked me uh, for saving their husband. You know, of course, they're thanking Grow for Vets, not me, but I'm the face. So they're thanking me for having saved their husband because he's a totally different person since he got off all the drugs that make him crazy. Uh, you know, we have, 
I've had kids come up and thank me for saving their daddy or giving them back their daddy. And that's a very emotional experience to go through to have somebody, a, a child tell you that. But it's, there's so many fam people don't realize that the families are the ones that suffer just as badly as the, as the veteran or anybody else that has PTSD. And if anybody out there, you know, who, who's lived with someone or lives with someone who has PTSD knows what I'm talking about. Um, you know, you're a totally different person. Most of the drugs they give you, especially veterans anyway, make you crazier, you know, than you were before you started taking them. So they're, they're, it makes no sense. We have veterans, lots of them come to us, they're taking 20, 25 or more different prescription drugs every day. The record is 87. A guy came to me in Colorado, told me he's taking 87 drugs. I had to question that, to be honest with you, because I didn't even know there was 87, that there were 87 different prescription medications. But the next time I saw him, he had them in a bag. Yeah, he lined them right up there, and there they were, and they were all different. I've lost track of the number of vets that are that are Scott's age or younger even that, that, that have to take Viagra because all the drugs, other drugs they give them make them impotent, not because they had some physical injury. So, I mean, we're just killing Americans. There's big money. The long and the short of it, Drew's this, as you well know, there's big money in killing veterans. It's as simple as that. These big pharmaceutical companies, that's what they do. They're killing Americans every day, left and right, at five an hour now, supposedly. So it's terrible. No, it's really, it's really, it's, it, it's a great opportunity for us to get you talking on our podcast um, because there's a lot of, there's a, there's a vacuum out there. People don't know what's going on. I was thinking today as, as we were getting ready for this podcast, um, how many people actually take the time to talk to a veteran? Um, how many, I, I go out of my way when I see people, you know, occasionally you get a guy that's got a, a hat on or a, some sort of insignia that gives you the sense that they're a veteran. And I go out of my way to thank people for their service. How do you guys feel uh, when you get thanked for your service? Is that, is that cool or is that weird? I mean, well, it, it runs a gambit, you know, for some veterans it's, it's cool. And for others, it's not so cool. Um, you know, I, I think I think that a lot of veterans, especially the younger ones nowadays, feel that it's it's almost more of like a just a just a, a casual comment kind of a thing rather than something that's really heartfelt. Um, you know, that's why I encourage people, you know, if you see a veteran, you know, when you're in a, a restaurant or whatever, buy them their dinner, you know, do something really, you know, I know you guys do stuff like that anyway, but but, you know, it'd be great if more people would do you know, walk the walk like you guys do and, and, and do those types of things. Uh, you know, give up your seat, whatever it is, you know, on, on public transportation. Um, you know, th that kind of respect, I think, is what, you know, what, what a lot of these, especially the young veterans feel. Now, of course, veterans my age, you know, a lot of Vietnam veterans, for example, um, you know, didn't get the same welcome home that, that the guys and gals get now. But the fact of the matter is it's kind of a, uh, it, it's not really true that the guys and gals get a great welcome home now. I mean, you'd be surprised how little it's becoming better, but how little there is to help you transition, you know, from, from military life into civilian life. When you've spent the last several years doing nothing but training to kill people and killing people and having people try to kill you, uh, it's not something you can just take off your uniform and turn in your weapon and, you know, just walk down the street you know, like you, uh, streets of small town Nebraska, like you were before you before you went in the military. So, you know, helping veterans with jobs, uh, you know, trying to understand what they're going through, um, you know, giving them encouragement. Because again, as you well know, without hope, uh, you know, there's there's really nothing nothing li worth living for. For and unfortunately, I think the VA's policy is at the bureaucratic level has always been 
it's been pretty simple, but it's pretty sad, and that is to keep veterans in a drug stupor until they either die of a prescription drug overdose or worse yet, they give up all hope and take their own lives, and that's, that's just not acceptable. I have to admit that, that I know that they're overwhelmed, but when they started sending all these young men and women into combat, they should have immediately started putting in place what they were going to need when they came home. And that's what they failed to do. And so now they're trying to play catch up. I think I, I, I texted you guys earlier. I went had was supposed to talk to Dan earlier today and I ended up sitting for an hour and a half just waiting to get a blood draw, uh, you know, at, at a small VA clinic here in Henderson, Nevada, uh, you know, and the, and the place was packed, you know. So, I mean, it was just there just are not enough care providers and enough facilities you know, to help. And when these kids, these young people get to be my age, you can imagine what the medical needs are going to be. This is a great insight. We want to get uh, veterans uh, to, if they have stories about how cannabis has affected their lives, we'd love to get veterans to respond to our uh, social media and give us their story. So we'll put it out there. Can you give us the, the, uh, yeah, if you've got a, if you've got a zip code, if you've got a story that you want to share, um, we'd love to, like Drew said, share that with our audience and, and repost that. So you can either email us at info at bovidainc.com. Um, you can send us a direct message on Instagram at Bovida Cannabis, um, on Twitter, Facebook, leave a comment on YouTube. And if you have more ideas about how we can rally more support for vets, more support for first responders, um, we also want to reiterate our support for Hero Grown. .org and for Roger Martin, their able and esteemed spokesman. Dude, you're a great guy. And of, of all the people that I've met at all these sh- uh, shows, uh, you're just a, a solid citizen uh, trying to do something really good for people. And I, I am really grateful that there are people like you out there that are, are committed to this and are making it happen. So thank you very much for doing it. Yeah, it, it inspires me to want to go out and do more and I know we do a lot here at Bovida, but there's more to be done. Look at that. You guys are too kind. You guys are too kind. You know, and we couldn't do what we do without companies like yours and without people like you. So we're extremely grateful for you. I'm very grateful that that Bovida stepped up and took the number one position in the Hero Grown Founders Coalition. Uh, That's a big, big sponsorship uh, opportunity that helps us uh, immensely. You guys have been helping us every month for a year and a half, last two years, I guess. Or more now um you know we couldn't do what we do without you and every chance i get uh you know i, I talk to people about bovida because again as you started to, to allude to a little while ago you know it's very important for us that the medicine that we gave that we've been giving out is quality medicine and it's good and it's safe and it's in the shape it, it, it where it can be used i think you're aware of, we can talk about it later if you want about the study that we actually did uh with bovida uh and one of your competitors but we always pass out the the, the cool sample packs that you give us thousands have given us thousands of. We give these to every veteran that uh, and first responder that we come in contact with who who, who wants to preserve their cannabis. Uh, and so again, I, I I I'm very grateful for you know for for all you guys uh, individually, but also for Bovid. I really appreciate the support you give us. We're gonna keep doing it, and we're gonna keep uh, trying to to uh, amplify the efforts that you're making, uh, to help people. It's, uh, it's a big deal. And, uh, God bless you, man, for being such a, a stand-up guy and having such a great organization that's out there trying to help people. It's important too. one of the big things that impressed me just real quickly about Bovida from the very beginning was the fact that, you know, so many companies out there now that just got into the, 
you know, wanted to be part of the green rush, as they call it. You know, so they jumped into the business uh, with whatever product it is they have just to be involved in cannabis. You know, it, it was very, very exciting to me that a company that was as well established as Bovida long before cannabis was even a uh, you know, in the marketplace, and Charlie shared the stories with me about how you became involved in cannabis, and it was really from 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 growers reaching out to you and say, "Hey, does this work on cannabis?" So, uh, you know, after a few of them hit him, I think he figured out that was a good good route to take. But uh, anyway, I mean, that's you know, more and more mainstream companies like yours are becoming involved, and that's what it's really going to take to affect change. You know, when you're a cannabis business, you're talking to people promoting cannabis. That's one thing. When your primary business isn't really cannabis, but but you're, you know, you're on board with what, uh, you know, what it can do for cannabis and what cannabis can do for people, that's critical. So thanks. Roger Martin, HeroGrown.org. You're listening to, watching, and hopefully enjoying another episode of Cultivate, brought to you by Bovida. All right. We are now going to jump into the section of the episode where we, what we call Ask Bovida. So let's jump into this first and only question. We cannot disclose who made this comment, but. But it was made. It was made. And we did receive it. An Instagram photo. And it said, hey, Bruv. 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 Take those Bovida packs out of there. They absorb terps. Salts are are bad desiccants. Okay, bruv. So uh, the rumor is that Bovida steals terps. Absorbs them. Bovida does not absorb no terps. No, we've actually done a a test where we've had our product in with the cannabis and then for 30 days or whatever it is, taking it out, taking the contents inside of the Bovida pack, tested it, and there's zero trace of terpenes or anything for that matter um, other than the natural salt water and food thickening agent that was uh, put in there. So we can, uh, yeah, let's link. We'll shave it. Save it. Share it. Let's share it. That's a combination between save and share would be we'll shave it with you. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to share it with you. Yes. Also known as we will put the link in the description of uh, this podcast on YouTube or wherever it is. Um, so you can read that for yourself. Um, yeah. Long story short, Bovida doesn't absorb terps. Um, salts are bad desiccants. A desiccant, well, first of all, a desiccant is something that absorbs all of the moisture inside of whatever it's in. You get those little packs yep. in your luggage that you buy or your clothes or whatever you bought at Best yeah, Buy. Exactly. And salt is actually probably the best desiccant is the best desiccant. Um, salt absorbs water and can absorb a lot of water. So, um, that's how our pack works where you, you take a natural salt and a ratio of water and you can have pre-engineered relative humidity levels. There's actually no better way to properly humidify anything than with salt, natural salts and water. Exactly. It's, it's the most dynamic. It's got the broadest range. It's got the quickest reaction time. It's the most reliable way to humidify or control. Precision humidity control is what we're all about. And there's no better way to do it than the way we do it. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Both it is a desiccant and a humidicant. We're, we're bringing water out of a surplus environment. We're adding water to a deficit environment. So we do both 
humidify and dry. It's, it's, it's a dynamic two-way process, a, a, a true two-way process. Yeah, and actually, uh, that jogs my memory. We have a really cool study that we can also link into the description um, where we test our product, show how it performs. We call it gain-loss chart. So as it gains water, gives off water, how it's managing the, the moisture inside of the container. And then it also compares our product then to um, other products on the, the market that don't use salt. We don't spend a lot of time talking about people. We just do what we do. We do we what do we it, do. And we do it really well. Do it well. Focus on that. We'll give you facts and yeah. Yeah. And our uh, encouragement to everybody that tunes into anything that has to do with Boveda is try it for yourself. Test our product against anything that's available in the marketplace. Come to your own conclusion. We know how it works out. We want you to have your own experience. We want you to draw your own conclusion. Don't take our word for it. Test everything. Try them side by side. Let the results rule. Speak for himself. Yep. Thank you for tuning in to Cultivate. This has been a great episode. Um, We've got Drew, Scott. We've got Scott. Yep. And... If you need to reach out to us, ask us any questions, hashtag Ask Bovida. You can email us at info at bovidainc.com or on Instagram at Bovida Cannabis, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, hashtag Ask Bovida. We will respond and potentially answer your question on one of these podcast episodes. So we're going to continue to try to connect you to the people and the processes going on in this dynamic cannabis industry. This is Cultivate. We're Bovida. We're grateful that you took the time.